Lord God, would you come amongst us and help us to understand deeply the words first spoken by your Spirit, penned by the apostles, and given faithfully to us through the generations that we have it here today. And may we hear it, and may it soothe and nurture our souls, form us, transform us, make us like Jesus, to whom, Holy Spirit, you have witnessed throughout all generations. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let me read you. I just want you to get a sense of what those disciples, that first Pentecost, must have felt like. Uh, Having heard these words, right, I'm going to read you Luke 24. And Jesus had opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And then he said this. Uh, This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He said, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached uh, to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. That's what he said to them. And just to confirm it, Luke repeats it in Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, Jesus says to his disciples, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right. Those disciples must have heard that and thought to themselves, Where do we even start with a task so colossal? You thought about that? These are ordinary people. The 12 ordinary disciples. These aren't skilled. These are fairly unskilled, ordinary. They're not well-resourced. They're not well-financed. They're not well-connected. They don't have people in high places. They have nothing going for them. They don't have technology like we have today. They don't have phones and aeroplanes. And yet they were stood there. The risen Lord Jesus said to them, the whole world, the whole world, That's the task, 12 of them. Now, can you feel that? Just imagine. I mean, we're we're actually a bigger group in here. We're, I don't know, what, 50 maybe in here with the kids? 50, 60? 12 of us. Imagine it was just 12 of us. And Jesus said, through those doors, to the whole world. It was an insurmountably massive task. We had a prayer meeting on Thursday night. I, you know, it was a sweet time of prayer. I know a number of us were there, and it was a lovely time of prayer. Of course, it's a, it's a moment where we're laying out to the Lord the things that are on our hearts, but I love to listen. You know, I love to listen to the prayers of the church, the heart cries of one another at a prayer meeting like that. And we discern together what is the Lord saying, even as we listen to each other pray. And I tell you what I heard. Here's what I heard this Thursday night that we have in our parish, in a square mile around us here, a huge task. We prayed on Thursday night for people on the high street, retailers, shoppers, people who are materially wealthy but poor in spirit and need the Lord. The elderly, we spent time thinking about those who are trapped in their own homes perhaps. We spent time thinking about young people, children and families. 
vulnerable people. We talked about people who were severely addicted, maybe in our graveyard. Vulnerable people. We talked about Ambleside Drive. We talked about York Road. We talked about exploited people and those who exploit them. We prayed all of those things, and that was just our parish. And you come away from a meeting like that, and I came away from a meeting like that, thinking, this is, Im- this is impossible. And that's just one square mile of South End on Sea. I'll tell you what else happened this week. We had an inspection <laughs> of the church on Tuesday. And um, an architect comes around the church every five years, and they take a good look around with ladders. And in two weeks' time, no doubt, he's going to present us with a massive document with tens of thousands of pounds worth of repairs, probably, on this roof and on various places around the church. I can't... That in itself is a huge thing. How are we going to manage to do that in the next five years? And then, forget the task of evangelism and the task of the building. What about my own life? Do you have this? Do you think this? I can't even get my own life on track. Sometimes I think to myself, I just need to sort of get my head straight, sort my family out, sort my marriage out, make sure my job's okay, make sure I can, you know, I'm healthy, eating decent meals three times a day, whatever. I can't even do that. And you think to yourself when Jesus says, the whole world... Now let me read you those quotes again, because I actually only half quoted them. This message is called Clothed in Power. I've called this message Clothed with Power, because we read this. This is what he actually said, the full quote. Uh, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power. And then Acts 1, verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, said Jesus, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, In a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They were told to wait. That's what the disciples were told. Wait, because... You will need to be clothed with power. You will need to receive power from the promised Holy Spirit until that power comes. Don't worry. Wait, was the word of Jesus to his disciples. Wait. And then verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2, suddenly. You see that word there? If you've got your Bibles open, just look at that word. Suddenly. Suddenly, a sound like a violent wind. Suddenly, flames of fire. It was as if flames of fire appeared above 
their heads, every single one of them. Suddenly, languages spoken and heard. Suddenly, they're bewildered, verse 6. Utter amazement, verse 7. A moment of opportunity for the disciples comes about, verse 14, and Peter speaks, and 3,000 people are saved. And suddenly, the church has a way forward. Suddenly, there's hope. Suddenly, they're empowered. Suddenly, they can see a way through. Suddenly, they've got something to go on. Something's possible now. Something's plausible. Because suddenly, the Spirit of God came. Now, it wasn't because... Can I just stress this for a moment, brothers and sisters? It wasn't because suddenly the disciples got things right. Can I say that? Can we hear that? It was not because suddenly the disciples started doing church properly. In church life, all of us, self-included, self-included, want to finish this sentence. Right? All of us want to finish this sentence. The church will have a powerful and effective witness to the world around us if we... How do you want to finish that sentence? We'll finish it 50 different ways in this church alone. We will have a powerful... Suddenly, we'll be able to do some stuff. This church will become relevant and powerful in its witness when we... How do you want to finish that sentence? When we're more like that, when we have more of those things, when we do more of that thing, when we make sure that thing's done properly, when we tell people that stuff, when we don't do these things, when we prioritise those things, then all of us want to finish that sentence in some way. At best, it is complicated waiting. It is elaborate waiting. All of that, all of it, is elaborate complicated waiting because nothing will happen nothing of any great significance will happen until the spirit of god comes but when the spirit of god came when the spirit of god came on that very first pentecost then suddenly there's a way through despair and overwhelming thoughts of how on earth are we going to evangelize the whole world become, oh, I can, I can see a way forward. And suddenly a life of monotony where you're thinking, what am I going to eat? What am I going to do for a job? How am I going to look after my family? Suddenly, oh my gosh, there's something way more important going on here. The Spirit of God has shown up and there's a way through for the gospel. Suddenly, do you notice in the whole episode, right, the Spirit works, he comes about, does his thing, and Peter simply piggybacks onto the event and speaks faithfully what's just happened to the people who were there gathered. The Spirit does something powerfully, and the church is poised, waiting, ready to explain it to the world. That is what happened at Pentecost. They were waiting. The Spirit came moved in power and then the disciples spoke they just responded to the action of god's spirit 
and 3,000 people were saved. And all of a sudden, you've got 3,000 new disciples, and you can start seeing a way to world evangelization. When you've got 3,000 people stood in front of you, all of a sudden, our manpower has increased, <laughs> however many, hundredfold. Brothers and sisters, this is it. I'm, that's all I'm really saying this morning. But if we feel despondent, and I, I know it, I get it, right? You can feel very quickly despondent in church life because you look through those doors, you have a prayer meeting like Thursday night, you think this is, impo- this is impossible. This is an impossible task in this parish, let alone the world. We prayed in, in our prayer meeting, we went from sort of the church to the parish to the town, and then by the time you get to the world, you're just like, this is just ridiculous. This is, this is so huge. If you feel despondent because the task looks overwhelmingly huge, then think of those first disciples, 12 of them. 12 of them, ordinary people. When the Spirit of God came, possibility comes forward, plausibility comes forward, a way forward is plain, they can see a route through, the Spirit will achieve this work. It's God's power that will prevail. He does it. He does it in his time. Suddenly. It wasn't something that they did and suddenly they had a revival meeting and then the Spirit came. No. The Spirit came at his own volition and his own will. He came when he wanted and then they were clothed with power. Clothed with power to witness to the living Christ. And brothers and sisters, we're not looking back at a historical event here. This is not like a, a memorial. In the church, we do this well, and it's important. We have memorial days. These are feast days to remember backwards to an event that happened past. Yes, we are doing that. But this is the pattern of the Spirit's work through every generation. You just look through church history, and you'll see at various times and places in local churches, in local groups of Christians, perhaps in whole denominations, perhaps in whole nations. The Spirit of God comes and there's a mighty work and the church moves forward. It is the Spirit's work. And so we're called, brothers and sisters, to faithful waiting. Faithful waiting. We're going to turn up, aren't we? Week by week. Be here for each other. We're going to faithfully pray to the Lord, the Spirit. We're going to faithfully study our Bibles together, encourage one another. We're going to faithfully wait and wait upon that work of God's Spirit who will move us forward. And then suddenly we might begin to see a way through. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray to you this morning and ask that you would find us faithfully waiting poised and ready prayerfully waiting dependent upon a move of your spirit to lead us out into the parish out into the town out into the world And when that moment comes and the opportunity arises and you come, Lord, by your Spirit in small and big ways, 
you would find us faithful to witness to the wonders and works and words of Jesus Christ. And we pray in his great name. Amen.